Welcome to the Howell Fit Perspective. This is your host, Cade Howell, and I want to say thank you for tuning in to improve yourself physically and mentally. Enjoy the show. This is episode 42, I believe, which is kind of crazy that we got 42 episodes out now. Never thought that I would have a podcast with 42 episodes, but I guess it's pretty unimpressive when you got people like Joe Rogan out there with thousands of episodes, but you guys keep coming back and listening to the podcast, and so I'll keep making them for you guys. I appreciate you guys supporting and listening, and I hope you guys take a thing or two away from each of these episodes, but today's episode is with Jeff Hone. We've had Jeff on the podcast several times now. We decided that we were going to get together. He's a fellow coach in the industry, and we've kind of gotten to know each other over the past several months, and so we decided that we're going to get together and record an episode about once a month together to go on each of our podcasts, and we're just going over questions that you guys have. We're going to answer them in detail, so if you guys do have questions, feel free to shoot them over on Instagram to either Jeff or myself, and we're happy to answer those. So today, we went over, geez, what did we go over? Things like the paleo diet, like if that's a, if that's a good diet. Um, we went over creatine usage, if you should be tracking calories versus macros. We even talked a little bit about steroids, which is interesting. I never thought we'd be talking about that. But we had a lot of good, interesting topics to discuss. And I really think you guys will enjoy this episode with Jeff Hone. Here, I can start. I'll, I'll just, I'll start off with it. Okay. Um, so, so one of the questions is, should you track calories or macros? Ooh, well, it's essentially so, the same thing, right? Yes. So essentially, <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's some, some, some things that you can do here on this. So, so we'll have you do it. And then if there's anything I want to add, I'll add to it. Yeah. So I have my clients focus mainly on calories just because I think they can get overwhelmed with tracking each individual macro perfectly, even though it really comes out to be the same thing where like carbs and protein are four calories a gram, fats, nine calories a gram. Like you can count it that way and add up your calories, but I think you can get kind of caught up in all of those numbers when you could focus on the the one big calorie number and then divide it up. So I, I just make sure that they have their calorie numbers in check and then at least a protein goal that is right where it should be. Then other than that, like it's, you don't have to stress too much over carbs and fats unless your goal is like super performance-based in my opinion. Um, I don't think it makes it a huge difference. So I, I focus mainly on overall calories. Yeah, I, I agree on that. I think obviously the, you know, again, like you mentioned, it kind of depends on their, their goal too. Like if, and, and where the person is at as well, like, so with calories, you know, the calories are super important because we know that in order to manipulate your body weight, that needs to be in check. Like that's the most fundamental thing. You could have the perfect macros or what you think are the perfect macros, but if those macros are putting, if all those macros together, putting those calories outside of the, the desired energy balance, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, um, and then, and then too, like you hit on, you know, you mentioned that with the macros, there's also this, 
those are just extra numbers that you need to track and people can get too caught up in those exact numbers. And that can cause a lot of extra stress. So I think that it does come down to your ability where you're at. Like if you've never tracked anything before, I don't think you need to track your macros. And I don't think you need to have perfect macros. I think that it's more important to, like you said, you know, probably aim more for a protein goal and then, and then kind of let your calories fall around where, where you want them. And, and, you know, or I guess let your, carbs and fats fall where they wherever. So that way it's, you know, it's just more important to track your calories. Cause again, that's going to be more important than macros, even though, like you said, they are essentially the same thing. Cause the macros make up the calories, but you know, again, I think tracking macros can, can cause a lot of extra anxiety um, there. That's a good point. I think a lot of it does come down to experience. Like if I get someone that comes on, that's like a brand new beginner, yeah, I'm not going to have them track their calories, each individual macro, like their carbs, fats, protein. I'm not going to have them track all that. I'm just going to start with, okay, just track calories. Even sometimes we don't even start with tracking calories. We can focus on other things that lead to the calorie adjustments we're going for. But yeah, I'm just going to have them start with the basics, tracking calories, maybe a protein goal. I'm not going to have them track every single thing. But if someone's more advanced and they do want, some of us are kind of OCD and like having everything dialed in and knowing exactly where we're at in that position. Yeah. You can track calories and macros. Well, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, and I think this is probably important to say too, especially if you're more of a beginner, like, so calories are important and macros are, are a little less important, but macros do become important for body composition. Um, but with what we talked about, and what I mean by that is, you know, you could track your calories and not track any macros and those calories could be made, made up of mostly fats and carbs. Like, let's just say, for example, it could be mostly fats and carbs. And that's obviously not going to be great for like building muscle or maintaining your muscle mass. Right. So that, so that, you know, you could lose weight or gain weight, but it's probably not going to necessarily be the weight that you want. So that's why we talk about, Hey, it's important to at least probably track one of the macros and that macro being, being, being protein. Um, also, I don't know if you've done this or if this is something, but, uh, and this is kind of Jeremiah brought this up and it makes sense, but instead of having like, like, let's say you've, you've tracked calories and protein and now you're like, all right, I want to kind of di- dive into my macros a bit more. Have you ever messed around with having them do more of a, of a range rather than, Hey, it's an exact, we want an exact number here. Yeah. That's actually what I do. I, I give my clients ranges with pretty much everything because well, at first I didn't do that. I just thought like, okay, I'll give them a calorie goal, give them a protein goal, and they can aim for that exact goal. Like, yeah, of course they're not going to hit that goal precisely every single day. So as long as they're relatively close, I'm happy with it. But even then it's like, it, it can be kind of hurtful because some people have like this all or nothing mindset. And if they go under their protein goal by two grams, it's like, oh, they, they get all upset about it. Like, so I, I set ranges like I'll do, for example, someone might have 180 to 190 grams of protein in a day. Calories might be like 2100 to 2200 or, you know, usually when I get like a beginner that's new to tracking, I'll open up those ranges a little more and then we can slowly kind of tighten those ranges as we go. Is that something you do or are you do you give numbers? Yeah, I like the range too. And I also like that you brought up the fact that also it doesn't have like, also with that, like we give people ranges, but based on their ability and things like that too, in their experience, we also kind of give them uh, like newer clients, 
larger ranges too, because, you know, the, the human body's just super complex and like just getting caught up on trying to hit one number is kind of pointless in my opinion. And, and having a range that you can stay consistent with is going to be more important anyways than, than trying to hit it spot on. Um, so, so yeah. And, and then too, like, it depends on their goal too, right? Like I'm sure if you like, let's take somebody like me or you, that's trying to get, I don't know if you are thinking about ever competing or if you are thinking about doing a photo shoot, but let's say, for example, like one of us are doing that, like, and we're trying to get super lean, like, okay, then you're going to have to be more precise than somebody that's just trying to just improve their appearance. Right. Like then, you know, and again, that goes back to being more advanced with it and things like that, but um, just kind of depends on, on how, on how lean you want to get to, I feel like um, with how precise it needs to be. Yeah. And that's why I think people get too caught up in the exact numbers like a lot of people get caught up in the percentages which i don't really like the percentage method as far as like tracking macros it's like you know have 30 percent protein 40 percent carbs you know whatever it is and yeah i don't i don't like that method at all because it doesn't it doesn't make sense you you're much better off setting your calorie goal then setting your protein and fat goal and then filling the rest in with carbs is that kind of how you set up things oh yeah yeah Yes. Protein first. And I, I think you get the percentage from probably clients tracking on my fitness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause that's, that's anytime somebody's like, Hey, I'm starting to track on my fitness. Pal. I'm like, Oh, that's great. But you know, those numbers are probably, I don't know where they get those from, but yeah, they, they base theirs off of percentages, I believe um, on how they do it, which is a little bit different than what something like me and you would do where it's like, Hey, we want, we want grant, you know, we are going to go for grams of like protein and that's going to be better than doing a percentage of whatever well, and even some of like the nutrition like classes that i've taken and little courses like little short classes that i've taken some of those even go off of percentages and i think it's a lot of it's just like kind of outdated information that they haven't really updated so yeah there there is still some of that in, in the industry but i think it's much better to go off set your calorie goal because that's what's going to matter the most for weight loss and set your macro goals because that's going to determine weight loss or weight gain. It's going to determine where that comes from if it's muscle versus fat. And yeah, you probably shouldn't set it as percentages because if someone takes a lot of calories to gain and you still set their protein at like 40%, it could be like 300 grams of protein, you know, like it, they could overdo it on any of the macros really. Yeah, that's yeah. Percent. You mentioned the the court like nutrition course. One of my ones I just had it's a sports nutrition one. It was like based. We had to do something for endurance runners, and it was the same thing. It was like do it in percentage. I'm just like oh, this sucks. I just want to do grams, <laughs> but yeah. you have to do it for the assignment. So yeah. <laughs> okay, this next question that I have goes in line with diet. So we'll we'll jump to that one. Um, so is the paleo diet a good diet? What are you? What's your opinion on the paleo diet? So my understanding of the paleo diet is that it's mostly like meats and like fruits and veggies and stuff, right? For it's the pretty most part, much like, like nuts. Yeah. It's like, it's called like another name. Yeah. Caveman diet. So like pretty much anything that if you're out foraging, you know, in 10,000 BC, you would find and you'd eat what our ancestors were supposed to eat. So yeah, it's like a lot of lean meats, nuts, fruits, veggies, no processed foods pretty much is the main rule and, and no dairy, right? Like no dairy, with no that. dairy. Um, yeah. Okay. So you're so, probably not going to be milking a mammoth or anything. in 10, <laughs> <BC>. <laughs> um, 
I mean, so with really with any of these types of diets, you know, it's, I don't think any are particularly like good or, or bad, right? It's all kind of what your goals are, what you want to do, right? So I'm assuming the person that would be asking this probably is you, like, usually when people ask about certain diets, I feel like it's usually for like weight loss, right? Most of the time, just to, like lean out or something like that. And I think that if you followed that diet and like how it says, I think it would, you definitely would lose weight just because, um, you know, you're, you're filling up on mostly whole foods with this, right? Lean meats, nuts, um, fruits, veggies, whole, do we say no whole grains, no, no grains, right? With the, I think whole, well, I think whole grain, I don't know why whole grains wouldn't be. Yeah. I honestly don't know if whole grains are in, in, included in there, but, but either way. So I would think you, I mean, so it's paleo diet and see, this is, what's crazy about it is like, I feel like it's, you know, these are all these things with these diets. It's typically included. So it's not like it's like this set in stone thing. Yeah. Right? It's not like this rigid meal plan. Yeah. But from Mayo clinic, it says typically includes lean meat, fish, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. So like you said, okay. foods that in the past could be obtained by hunting and gathering. So again, mm-hmm. I, so you're going to get plenty of protein in with this. If you, you know, if you hit the meats, fish, so that, so that's solid. I think that's a good thing. And we know that protein's good for, um, you know, recovery from training, helping you build muscle. It also has shown that, you know, it can help lower hunger levels too, which is, which is key for a, a fat loss diet, right? If you can get, if you can get foods that, that help fill you up, you know, that's going to, um, you're not going to be as hungry. And we know that when you're hungry, you're more likely to make less than ideal choices. So that right there. And then plus with the fruits and veggies, like that's going to help fill you up. Um, as well. And those are also nutrient dense foods. They have a lot of nutrients in them as well too. So, you know, for fat loss, I think this would be a really good diet. Um, because again, you're, you're, you're filling up on, on nutrient dense foods and that's really going to fill you up. You know, it's you, you probably, if, if you were a person that is eating mostly like processed types foods, and then you went to this diet, you would feel like you're eating a ton of more food just because a lot of these foods are just, they're just very, um, uh, nutrient dense and, and they're, um, I can't think of the word satiating satiating and they have a lot of food volume. So food volume being, they have a lot of food for little amount of calories, basically. Whereas like a a calorie dense food would be something like a potato chip that is a small amount of food and it has a lot of calories in it. Right. And so like you, you probably would, if you could stick to this, you would feel, you know, feel like you're eating a ton of food and you probably lose weight, you know, just because you're not eating as many calories. Um, I think where it, it's tough is that, you know, again, you're going to exclude things like carbs for the most part, which let's be honest, you know, that's tough. This kind of gives more black and white rules with nutrition, which I think is tough for people to stick to. Um, and then no, uh, no dairy products, which, you know, you're going to miss out on things like, um, some calcium, um, you know, that's going to be important for a lot of people. So, you know, I think that it could be a good diet, you know, you just need to make sure that, um, you know, like you're going to have to find ways to get more calcium in your diet, which, you know, this, I don't know any foods off the top of my head right now. I'd have to look it up that would be able to fill that void, but you know, you, that would be something to look out for here with that. Yeah. I think honestly, out of all of the diets with a name, I would, I would go with a paleo diet. Like if I had to pick one diet that I had to, had to follow and it had to have a name, like one of the kind of fad diets, it would definitely be paleo because it is, it's a good balance. A lot of whole foods, nutrient dense foods, yeah, like not having processed foods, that's good. But at the same time, I think like you're totally fine to include some processed foods. So for the person asking this question, I would say like eat 80% paleo, 
And then 20% like allow yourself flexibility to like the first thing you need to consider when you're picking a diet or nutrition plan is, is this something that I can adhere to in the long run? Like, is this sustainable? Cause if not, it's just going to be another one of those temporary attempts at a quick fix that usually end up backfiring. So think about like, is, is it sustainable? Can I adhere to this? If it's not, you kind of got to tailor it to you and make sure that it is something you can adhere to. So like in that case, like if you do enjoy the occasional potato chip or whatever it is that's processed, like, yeah, make sure most of your diet consists of things that go in line with the paleo diet and then still give yourself a little flexibility to make sure it's something you could adhere to in the long run. I like that. I like that you put in the 80% because I think that, you know, I'm sure when you get new clients, like the first thing, you know, I want to work on is throwing, like adding in more nutrient dense foods like this. So I think that would be a good way to, to teach them how, how to do that, especially, you know, if they are new to resistance training, you're throwing in a lot of like lean meats, which is going to help with their protein intake, which is probably fairly low, uh, you know, for most people. So I, I think that that's, I like the 80, 20, I think that's a good idea. But the only thing with that is I feel like people, when they follow a certain diet protocol, anytime they go off of it a little bit, they just completely go off of it. Right. So it's like yeah. finding that, finding that balance. Like you said, 80, 20, I think that's a good recommendation, but helping, helping people find that is, is, I think is a challenging part of it. That's why like the all or nothing mindset is so common. Like I see in so many people, including myself, it's like, if you're following this, this diet and you don't have any flexibility to include these, these taboo foods, you know, and, and you, you know, slip up a little bit, then it's so much easier to be like, ah, screw it. I messed up. Like, I can't even follow this diet anymore where it's like, if you have this rule of like, okay, 80% of my diet is going to come from these foods, 20%, like I can, I can eat what I want. Then really, then you don't have the option to have that all or nothing mindset. Cause it's like you, you quote unquote slip up. It's like, okay, well this still fits what I told myself I was going to do. So I can still continue doing this and it's something I can sustain. So that's, that's my opinion on the paleo diet. I think overall it's a pretty solid diet if you're really wanting a diet with a name, but otherwise just eat, eat a lot of whole foods, little processed foods, like have some as you, as you'd like, but make sure you're keeping it to a minimum. Yeah. I think, I think the sustainability of it's the toughest part, but otherwise it's overall a solid diet if, if you can follow it for sure. Yep. Um, all right. So Real quick though, I wanted to, cause I said I was going to look this up. So mm -hmm. some foods that are not dairy that are higher in calcium are going to be, um, so seeds. So obviously seeds is in, the, in the diet there. Yeah. Um, let's see, um, sardines and canned salmon. Oh, that sounds disgusting to me, to be honest. <laughs> Dude, I kind of like sardines. I'm not going to lie. Do you? Yeah. Like, you know, I've never tried them, so I can't, you I can't haven't? say, but no, you gotta like, try them. Gross. Like they, they definitely sound gross and they smell gross, but like get a little can of sardines it's a good good healthy snack too like good healthy omegas in it good protein so compared stuff. to tuna what do you what What are you thinking S similar oh i got similar but tuna you know i guess it depends like if you get the tuna in the water it's usually kind of dry tasting you know like if you get the tuna in oil then it's similar to sardines because sardines are usually in oil and so they're a little more juicy you know and like i i like that type of kind of fattier fish which yeah but i know it's not for everyone for sure some people hate sardines i'll need I, i'll need to try i'm gonna i'm gonna put that onto the list Do like, it, you know, yeah. is that is that a common are sardines the ones that you like commonly see people like eat like around new year's like off on, on new year's 
I, I honestly, I don't know, dude. I, I, I swear really my, fa- I swear my family parties. I think maybe they it's sardines. Maybe I'm wrong there. I could be. Is that a tradition to like myself. eat sardines around? Maybe, <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe, it is. maybe we can start it. Um, yeah. <laughs> also almonds. So again, nuts there. Um, and then some leafy greens. So, um, you know, those are going to be your uh, ways to get some um, calcium in without uh, the dairy there. So if you're interested in um, the paleo, that's what I would look into there for that. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or not, but it sounds like a lot of those choices are kind of what it includes. So yeah, maybe just go a little, if you, if you're not having dairy, you need more calcium, just yeah, eat some nuts and overall healthy foods and you'll probably get a lot of your calcium in. Yeah, I, I think with that diet, you're you're eating mostly whole foods, so you're gonna you're gonna get most of your uh, nutrients in that you need anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool. So this next question I have is, uh, are there any benefits to taking time off from creatine? Ooh, that's a that's a good question, and I'm not gonna say I know 100 everything about creatine because it's been studied so much that there's so much information out there on it, but from what I have learned and what I have researched, I don't think there's a need to cycle off of creatine for any reason. Like it used to be believed that it could cause like kidney issues and stuff like this. That was kind of one of the myths before it got researched a whole bunch. And so I think that's where like cycling off came into play is people thought you need to give like your kidneys a break. And I think overall just digestion, like your, your digestion tract needs to take a break from it. And that was kind of one of the myths that people believed, but I think that's kind of been debunked. And so personally, I don't see a need to cycle off of it. What do you, what do you think? I'm, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you on that. Um, I wouldn't see really any need to ever cycle off of it. Um, I was the same way as you though. I thought like, you know, as with anything, maybe it's a good idea to cycle off of it, but there's uh, really no reason to, it's not like, you know, like, some things, you know, like for example, let's take uh, caffeine. Like maybe it's a good idea to uh, uh, not necessarily cycle off of caffeine, but maybe periodize your caffeine intake. Like I'm sure you've seen that. I I don't do it. I don't I don't practice that, so I'm not gonna act like I do. But you're you know, over there like, sipping coffee right now. <laughs> oh yeah, hell yeah. And, and like, and so like you know that you know the people will say, hey, you know it's a good idea to uh, cycle off caffeine, and it makes sense, right? Like the more caffeine you get, the more um, the less sensitive your body is to it, yeah, the more you, you build up a tolerance. Yeah. Yep. And, and, but with creatine, there's no, there's no tolerance from my understanding, right? Everything I've read is that, Hey, it's, there's no need to do it. And really it's to me, creatine should just be something that most people take anyways. Right. You know, we, um, it's cheap, like it's super cheap to take. Um, it has cognitive benefits. It helps with muscle, uh, with strength, like, I, and it, I, they also have research that it helps with, you know, like, um, like concussions and like, uh, for, for athletes, you know, athletes that play high, high contact sport, like to me, creatine is something that everybody should just take. And there's no reason to cycle off of it. Um, the person that asked this, it's a client and he, at one point was like, Hey, I'm going to cycle off of it for a little bit. And I just was like, ah, I mean, there's really no reason to, to cycle off of it, you know? Um, again, it's, it's super cheap. It's not like it's going to cost you a ton of money to, to take. Um, and so again, this would just be something that I would just regular, regularly take, you don't, from my understanding, you don't build up a tolerance uh, to it at all. And there's really no downsides to taking it other than potentially, potentially a little bit of water weight retention, but 
Um, well, that's usually going to be in, in your muscles. So it's going to, if anything, it's going to make you look more muscular, but yeah, you might see the scale go up a little bit, which can kind of scare people sometimes, but yeah. And I think the other thing to realize is like creatine is generated in your body. It's not like this outside substance that has never been inside your body. Like you always have creatine in your body. You just have, think of it as like, you have these little storage places for creatine that when you supplement with it, like usually without this creatine as a supplement, like they might be a quarter of the way full, you know, depending on how much like red meat you eat because you do get it through food. Um, but once you start supplementing with it, you can kind of fill up those little creatine reserves and you get more benefits from it as far as like energy output, endurance, strength, and it can prevent like cognitive diseases like you mentioned which i actually have my grandma taking creatine for that reason like for just overall strength and preventing yeah cognitive disease as they age and stuff so i think yeah there's no reason really to not take it all the time i've been taking it consistently for years now so yeah that's a, that's the thing with it and that's cool that you have your grandma taking it because i feel like 10 years ago if you would have said something like that you'd be like dude what you're fucking crazy you're having her take some illegal steroid dude what 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 are you trying to do trying to get her to bulk up but i think it's super smart i don't honestly i think as you age and especially maybe even females they should be taking it because they're probably not getting you know their 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 diet's probably not very high in protein so they're probably not getting a lot of the the, the food sources that, that need the creatine plus not to mention you know as they get older they're at a higher risk of osteoporosis things like that and and you know by taking creatine that can that can help that so i almost think that as you age and you're female you definitely want to take it but even as you age i think creatine is a, is a no-brainer and i'm hoping that here soon it's going to be more um like mainstream in terms of just like one of the supplements that, that people should just take for overall health because i do believe that um that is, it is a supplement that most people probably should be taking um especially if your diet is low in, in meats um so uh, which i feel you know who, who knows, but, but I think that definitely creatine is, is, um, one that you should, should take and there's no benefit to, to taking time off from it. So I think it's getting more accepted as like one of the supplements. Cause you often hear it's like the most well-researched supplement it's like safe. And so it is getting more so that way. And people used to think it was only for the jacked bodybuilders that wanted to get insanely huge, but it's, yeah, it's not that way at all. So well, in other words, go take some creatine right now. <laughs> Well, you, you mentioned that, like, it's like for the Jack, like I dude, this literally just happened like price a year, maybe a year ago. I was here. Uh, my, my brother was in town and like, I was taking creatine. He's like, do you take creatine? I'm like, yeah. Like people still think of it as like, and, and I was watching um the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa documentary on ESPN. I don't know if you watch, if you watch that or not, um, uh, came out like a year ago, I think. And like the, one of the things is, you know, obviously they were, um, they, they were accused of steroid use, which, well, I think they, we know that they did do, do steroids, but like one of the, one of the scenes in the documentary was they were talking about creatine and like, basically they were like trying to say, you know, they're trying to put creatine in the same category as steroids. And it's crazy. Like that's kind of how it was the perception of it. Um, but we obviously know now that like, again, it's the most researched, uh, sports supplement out there so and i guess yeah it's hard to say what it is like outside of the fitness industry because like as coaches we're caught up in this kind of bubble inside the fitness industry where like the content we see on social media the people we talk to like all we hear is like yeah creatine's good like take it it's well researched it's safe 
but outside of this little fitness bubble, it still could be like one of those supplements that people are a little sketched about, you know? So I, I think it's, it's 100% fine to be taken all the time though. I, uh, um, so I, I do Toastmasters. Um, have you heard of, have we talked about this? How I, yeah, we, we talked about, that's something I want to do. Like how long have you yes. been doing it now? Uh, since November. So about four months now, okay. Burn maybe October, October, November, either way, four, four or five months. I actually have a speech I have to give tonight. Um, but oh, one nice. of my last, one of my last speeches, uh, it's, you had to do like a research project and I did it on, on creatine. And, you know, most of these people in the, in the, in the, um, Toastmasters are, are they're, they're older. Um, but none of them, there's only like one person that had ever heard of it before. So it's like, you know, people outside of the fitness industry don't even really know what it is. Um, but I got, I know I got a couple people that were like, okay, I think I'm, I just got, I just had shoulder surgery. I'm rehabbing my shoulder. I think I'm going to start taking some creatine. I'm like, hell yeah. Let's go. Cool. yeah. <laughs> you sold them on it. You should work yeah. in a supplement shop. Okay. <laughs> so I'll jump into the next question. This one's kind of a fun one. One won't take too long to answer. What's your favorite piece of gym equipment? Oh, fuck. So like actual stuff in the gym or yeah, like your, your favorite piece of equipment to use at the gym. Oh man, that's so hard. It's a tough one. Oh, man. Okay. So uh, my favorite one, I know. Okay. So let me, let me do, let me answer this a couple different ways. Cause I'm, it's going to be hard for me to just pick one here on this, but I know I like for clients and um, this is actually one that I'm going to start using here soon. And one that I love for clients. though is the assisted pull-up machine. Okay. I freaking love that thing. Um, I feel like it's super underrated and you know, a lot of people shy away from it because it's assisted and especially dudes will shy away from it because they feel like, Oh, I, you know, you like dude, I should be doing pull -ups. Yeah. yeah. But dude, I'll tell you what, that is probably one of the most underutilized pieces of equipment in, in the gym. Um, and it's, it's super, it's just, it's just great. Cause pull-ups, you know, you know, pull-ups are amazing. Like that's a compound movement. Um, and, and I just think, you know, that again, like, it's just a great move. Like it's great movement for upper body strength in general. And especially for female clients, because, you know, they struggle the most with pull-ups and they're the ones that are probably not going to be able to actually do a pull-up. So having them be able to do that, um, I think is super helpful. So, uh, for clients, that's probably my favorite one. And I still love it too. I'm about to use it in this nest, this next mesocycle. And I'm super excited because I've been doing body weight pull-ups and some weighted pull-ups and I'm just so sick of those. So I'm ready to hit some assisted pull-ups. Plus I watched, uh, Dr. Mike's, um, and Jared Feathers uh, video that they put on YouTube of their back day and they were doing assisted pull-up machine. I'm like, oh, I want to freaking do that now. <laughs> you motivated to do it. Yeah. What's so yours? Yours is, yours is assisted pull-up. I would say, I mean, I think it, it changes, but I kind of have a love-hate relationship with hack squat. Do you have a, you have a hack squat at your gym? No, dude, but I, I definitely wish I did. Oh yeah. I, hack squat is gnarly like i don't have there's no other piece of equipment that can mess up your legs like a hack squat so it's like it's a machine that i love but also like i always i always regret like mid-set i'm like why why am i doing hack squats right now but you love to hate them you know you hate to love them and you love to hate them so <laughs> hack squats for sure up there i also think um the smith machine is actually really underrated and in my opinion, a lot of people think of the Smith machine as like similar to the assisted pull-up. Like I'll just use a barbell. Like I don't need no machine to help me, but it it's super beneficial, it, especially if your goal 
is physique oriented and you're not just focusing on like strength or some of that funk, some more functional movements, you know, you want to actually isolate a specific muscle, um, using the Smith machine is, is awesome in my opinion. So I'd say that one's underrated. I, I agree with both of those. I don't have a half squat in the gym I'm at right now. Um, I wish I did. Uh, cause that's, I would be using that. Um, instead I'm doing some fucking barbell squats, which I'm like, this fucking sucks but anyways, but Smith machine though, I agree. Uh, Again, one that I'm with you on it, like just a year or two ago, I would have been like, not a Smith machine, no way, but super, super beneficial. Um, just because you can, you know, the gym I'm at there, it's, they don't have a lot of machines. So, so I've definitely been incorporating the, the, the Smith machine and a lot more just because, you know, it just gives you some more variation there. Um, and like you said, it, it really helps you isolate the muscles that you are trying to grow. Um, so I, I, I agree with you there. I do wish I had a hack squat though. I freaking I've used it a couple times and dude, my <laughs> I'm doing like one right. plate on each side and I'm like, all right, this is yeah. this sucks. Yeah. So if 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 you guys have a hack squat machine, go give it a try. Use the Smith machine a little more. Use the pull, assisted pull up machine a little more. Just give them all a try. But again, like it's it's gonna come down to making sure that there are exercises and pieces of equipment that match your biomechanics and your goal. So you can't really pick one piece of equipment that would be like the best it it totally comes down to you and what you want to accomplish yeah i agree with all that and i'm, I'm curious to kind of hear this is going to kind of go off topic a little bit but what are your thoughts on like you know the like just using like strictly like barbells you know like when i first got into the, the fitness industry it was like oh dude you got to do back squats conventional deadlifts strict press bench you know you just got to use the, the the barbell you know anything else is a waste of time and it's like uh, yeah that's that's crazy. exactly how i thought too getting in when i first got into the industry is like everyone needs to do more of these heavy compound movements with just the barbell but really like it 100 percent comes down to your goal like if your goal is to get stronger with those movements then they're the best movements for it because you got to think about specificity it's exactly what you're doing you're getting stronger at doing those movements but if your goal is to build a certain muscle group or isolate a certain muscle group and you want to build a better physique, which that's what I would say like 90% of people's goals are, then you need to think a little more about it rather than just like picking the heaviest machine or the heaviest lift that you can do and doing it all the time. You don't want to get married to one movement because eventually that movement is going to get stale. It's not going to give you as much stimulus to the muscle that you're trying to target going to generate more fatigue in your joints and it's just going to overall become kind of a crappy movement until you rotate it out start using some other movements so i think yeah in general you should be doing some compound movements but it doesn't have to be with the barbell you should pick exercises that fit you and your goal and isolate the muscles and have the muscles that you want to target being the limiting factor not like your breath like i think of deadlifts like yeah, it's a great exercise, but a lot of people think that they have to be doing deadlifts, but really like you're, if your goal is not to get stronger at the deadlift, like you don't need to be doing deadlifts. You'd probably be better off doing Romanian or stiff leg deadlifts. It generates so much less fatigue and it isolates the hamstrings, glutes a little bit more. So yeah, I think compounds are good, but you need to make sure and you're not getting married to, to certain movements. Yeah. I 
I, I agree with that. And um, I like, you know, I like the, what you mentioned about, you know, something like a Romanian deadlift would be better because it's not as fatiguing. Like that's the thing I think, you know, why deadlifts are something like deadlifts and things like this are so um, why people like them so much is because they can lift a ton of weight with it, you know, but it's like, you know, something like a conventional deadlift, like, it's like, why is that not a great movement? But it's like, if you're trying to build your physique, you know, basically, you know, the deadlift, this is kind of how I describe it. And I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but it's kind of the jack of all trades, master of none. Like essentially you're, you're working a lot of muscle groups and that's kind of where the, where people, they get drawn to it because like, Oh, it works a lot of muscle groups, which it does, but it's kind of like just working each muscle group just a little bit. Whereas like something like a Romanian deadlift, you know, you hit mostly your hamstrings, you use less weight, but you're, you're stimulating your hamstrings more. Right. And so it's a better movement in that sense. Um, whereas like a deadlift, it's like, maybe if you have like no time, you can only work out like 30 minutes. Okay. Maybe you can make a case for something like a deadlift, but otherwise, you know, it just doesn't hit any of the muscles enough, but it adds a ton of overall fatigue to to you. So. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's where I think like using a lot of compound movements when you're a beginner is going to be good because you need to build that solid foundation. And those compound movements are going to hit a lot of muscle groups at one time and build you that solid foundation but eventually they're not going to do as much as like focusing on one movement that kind of isolates a muscle group a little more and then having just a little more variety in your training sessions. Do you do, do you do any deadlifts right now? Conventional? No, I don't. I haven't. I honestly, the last time I really did conventional deadlifts was probably like three years ago. Now I just, I do like Romanian stiff leg deadlifts, stuff like that. That's more, tailored to my goal rather than because i'm not i'm not focused on getting stronger at the deadlift right now if i was then yeah i'd be doing deadlifts but no not at the moment what about you yeah i haven't i haven't done them and in, in, dude it's probably been in two years at least since i've done them yeah uh and i don't even even barbell squats i don't i don't do those right now i do hack squats smith machine squats bulgarian split squats things that <laughs> I, I get ptsd even saying those words together <laughs> But yeah, so I, I pick exercises that match my goal. Like, yeah, if I was powerlifting, which I think one day it'd be cool to get into powerlifting a little more and focus on those movements. Yeah, that might be down the road. But right now, no, I'm just trying to build some muscle, build a good foundation. So I'm going to focus on movements that are geared towards that. Yeah, and and I hadn't back squatted in a long time either, but I threw it back in just because my, I think we've talked about this before in here, my leg volume is just super low. And so like for me, that just hits my legs enough to where I, like, I don't have to do a ton of different stuff. I can literally do two sets of back squats and almost be good <laughs> with my legs. Yeah. Right now. Which is, that's a, that's a good thing. Then you don't have to do a ton of volume for them, but yeah. no back squats is one. I think back squats is like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they're a bad movement. I think they're one of the best exercises you could do all around, but for me specifically, they generate a lot more fatigue than they do stimulate my quads, like my lower back. I get a lot of butt wink at the bottom of a rep, which is when like my pelvis rounds, like my lower back rounds a little bit. And I usually end up getting little twinges in my lower back. And so like, I, I can't go as deep as I would like to. I can't stimulate my quads as much as like, as I would like to. So doing back squats really isn't the best movement for me. And so that's a good example of like the first like four years of me training, I would do back squats, every single leg workout. I was married to that exercise. That's probably why I had chicken legs for the first, you know, four years. And always a, 
my my lower back always hurt. So it's it's a good example of why you should not get married to to one certain movement. Yeah, no, I think that, yeah, that, that's, that's awesome to hear that. Cause you know, a lot of people, they're probably in the same position you were and they're just back squatting like crazy. Cause they hear, Hey, I need a back squat, but you know, little do they know, you know, you're, you're hitting your lower back more than your legs. And it's like, well, that's not a good exercise for you then. So yeah, no, I think yeah. that that's, that's cool. Yeah. Cool. You have one more question over there. Yeah. I'm going to okay. pull it up. It's on my phone. So uh, somebody asked me this. So we, we kind of talked about this one off air. I mean, you both don't really have a lot of knowledge in this subject, but we're mm-hmm. going to try to answer this as best as we can. So somebody asked me, all right, so as one progresses through training muscle harder to put on, which we know that, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but once muscles on, it's easier to maintain than it was to pack on. We also know that, right. As, lo- as long as you've had it on for a while, it's, it's easier to maintain over time for sure. Uh, with that said, what would be the main drawbacks to going on a year of like TRT, which would be like testosterone replacement therapy, SARMs or whatever PED of choice and putting on some quick gains for a year. Or so lean off of it and just maintain after that. Um, he basically, he says, I realize this is easier said than done and you wouldn't maintain hundred percent, but even if you could keep some percentage of that muscle that you gained, what, uh, and you aren't worried about being natural outside of cost, obviously, what would be the drawback of doing this? Um, so I think this is kind of an interesting question there on I that. Um, go ahead. That is, that is a good question. Actually, it's a lot of, a lot of detail and I can relate to this because this was my mindset when I was kind of first getting into things. It's like, well, yeah, why, why not do some steroids for like a little short amount of time? And then like, after that, would it cause any problems? Am I in the clear? Like you just kind of maintain that muscle mass once I've already built it and, and juicing up for a year would help a little bit. And I think there's probably some truth to that, but I think the thing you have to consider is what it can do to you hormonally after like even one year of testosterone, TRT, um, testosterone replacement therapy that can mess up your testosterone to where your body doesn't feel the need to produce it afterwards. And so, yeah, you might think that, okay, I'll just do this for a year. Then you stop after that year your testosterone plummets, your body isn't going to generate it anymore because it's been used to having this outside source, hasn't had the need to generate it. And then you're kind of screwed where you, you need to stay on TRT. And I think it's the same principle with SARMs, any other PEDs, anytime you're putting an outside substance, outside source in your body, your body doesn't feel the need to generate it anymore. And so, yeah, in some cases your body might be fine afterwards and might continue generating it, but you never really know. So I'd say that would be the the biggest thing to consider. But again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know much about this stuff, to be honest. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I'm kind of glad you brought that up because that, you know, that that's a good thought there that I didn't think about until you were saying it. Um, but yeah, the, the long-term effects of it. Yeah. Maybe again, you get a little bit of muscle, but is that something that you're going to be is that going to be okay? Are you going to be okay with that a couple of years down the line when potentially your hormones are, are, are out of whack a little bit? And two, I don't know if you've ever heard of this and I know this like TRT is something. So obviously in, like with TRT, you, you want to, you'd want to check with your doctor, like you said, and, you know, make sure that you're getting some type of guidance on this stuff. Don't just take it just to take it. Like, cause you know, there's just so much that could go wrong with it. So definitely check with your doctor there on there on that. But too, like I've heard of this, especially with some guys that have taken anabolics before, but when they come off of it, um, it can be pretty nasty too, where like, you know, some guys like, you know, they, they were super strong when they were on it and they come off of it and then they're not strong. And then they have some issues with like, like 
kind of being depressed and not being motivated to train. And so like, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that these are just things that obviously I've heard. I don't know for sure. I can't say for sure that that's what happens, but again, some things I've heard anecdotally that happen to people when they come off this stuff that again, yeah, maybe you gain some muscle and then you, you get extra, you get a little bit extra muscle, but then you come off and you're feeling like shit. I mean, is that, is that worth it too? You know, I think something that you need to take into consideration there. Yeah. That's stuff that I've heard from, I don't know if you, have you listened to mind pump before, mm-hmm. you know, Adam on there. Yeah. So he, he talks about like, yeah, he took testosterone, like got, um, I think he got his pro card for bodybuilding. Like he took, he, he juiced up for a while, got his pro card and then he came off and that was kind of his plan. And he said, you know, afterwards he went in this big slump. He didn't like training. He just kind of like his life just didn't feel quite right. And then he just barely, I think it had been like five or six years or something since he had been on testosterone. And he said it never went back to normal. And then I think he just barely started with TRT again. And he's finally like feeling back to himself. So you got to keep in mind, like, yeah, it might, might be worth it. You might build some muscle in that time frame, but you might just lose that muscle right afterwards because of the fact that you're not super motivated and things aren't going quite as planned afterwards. You might just kind of lose it and it might not hundred percent be worth it. So, well, and, and I get what he's saying about you put it on and then, uh, and then it's easier to maintain, uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't really know exactly how that would, how that would work out to be honest. I don't know if, you know, you do go on something like that and then you do, like, I don't know how easy it is to maintain it once you kind of, you know what I mean? Like I know how easy it is to maintain muscle when you do it naturally. I'm not sure how easy it is to maintain once you come off of like some type of PED like that. Um, yeah. So. I can say it's, it's not going to be as easy as it is when you're on it, you know? So like that, that's kind of a given. So yeah, you might be able to maintain it. If you, if you build a lot of muscle, I would say you're probably not going to maintain some of it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know enough about it to really say, but is that, do you have anything else on on that one? I would say if if there's any takeaway from this, it would be, if you're going to do something like this, make sure you have some guidance on it. And, uh, you know, if you do something like TRT, obviously talk to your doctor and make sure they're monitoring it and things like that and make sure you have a professional doing it not don't, don't just take it <laughs> yeah don't listen to a couple of knuckleheads on a podcast they don't yeah, know what they're talking about. yeah um, definitely don't definitely don't listen to what i have to say about yeah. it I don't, <laughs> don't you know I, I don't i don't know what your thoughts are on this type of stuff but you know people will ask me about these types of types of things and i just for me i i don't plan on ever doing it and I don't work with clients that do. So for me, it's kind of, I just, it's been something that I've never really dove into and I don't really ever plan on it. But again, obviously that could change, but to me, it's like, it's just, I'm not worried about that. I want to know how to get people results naturally, yeah, and, you know? And before anyone would, should ever even think about it, I think you should, should get the basics down because if you, if you don't have things dialed in naturally, and you aren't in a position where you're taking care of your sleep, like the, the things that you really need to, to get your best results naturally, then jumping on PDs is not gonna, it's not gonna make up for it. Yeah, yeah you, you can see better results, but you need to have the things dialed in and at least get the most out of what you can achieve naturally before you begin thinking about it. But again, that's just, that's just my opinion, your body, your choice, you know? <laughs> 
No, I, I agree. I think the, the sleep part is one thing that like is super important there for, especially guys as they, they as they get older, like that's probably a big reason why they see their testosterone just go to shit is because they're not, they're not, you know, they're not just not sleeping. And so definitely, definitely would look there for sure before I'm looking in and taking something like that, but for sure. Okay. I got, I got one more question I want to get through yeah. real quick and it's a pretty simple one. Um, is it normal for weight for my weight to fluctuate three to four pounds overnight? Yeah, I would say, I would say for sure. Um, definitely normal to see that, to see that happen. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that can go into it. You know, it's not just one thing like, uh, you know, when, when clients see their weight go up a little bit, they're like, Oh, well, it's because of this. And it's like, it's probably not one thing, right. Um, just take a client, for example, let's say, for example, a client just got done. Like, you know, I like to have clients work in, uh, uh, you know, as their phase goes on, they, they, you know, their intensity kind of increases a bit. Right. So they're working harder in the last week. So let's say they're on the last week of a training phase um, their volumes pretty high. You know, that's going to add a little, that could add a little bit of uh, inflammation, you know, you're retaining a little bit of water weight there. Then you maybe, um, you're a little bit more stressed out than normal. So then you retain a little bit more water there. Uh, you also, maybe the day before you had food that was a bit saltier. Um, and so you drink more water. So you're retaining more water there. Um, what was the other one I was going to hit on? There was a couple other, uh, Oh, you just haven't gone to the bathroom yet. Like you're just holding on to, you just have more food in your belly. Cause you haven't gone to the bathroom yet. Like all these things can add up and I've seen it. I've seen, you know, I think it depends on the client. I think some client, some people retain more water or retain more weight, water weight than others, but I've seen it where, yeah, five pounds for sure between one day. And this is why, this is why I stress with clients to, Hey, we need to take our, our weight at least three times per week. Um, first thing in the morning, post, post bathroom, pre-food or drink, because, you know, you could have a day where it's a bit higher and we need to see the whole week rather than just one day, because yes, it can fluctuate that high. Um, but let's be honest, are you really going to put on five pounds of body fat in, in, a, in a day? No, that's not going to happen. So yes, you can definitely see your weight fluctuate like that. And again, that's the, why it's important to take multiple weigh-ins per week. Yeah. And I think the biggest takeaway here is that your weight, weight does not equal fat. So if you gain five pounds, that does not mean you gained five pounds of fat. A lot of this is going to come down to water weight. Like you said, depending on how much sodium, like if you had saltier foods, your body's going to retain more water, how many carbs you had, your body's going to retain more water, like your stress, other things going on in your life, your body can just naturally hold on to more water or release more water. And so and food volume also, like if you ate later in the day, the day before, you're going to weigh a little more in the morning. So I think it's just important to consider like, yeah, like your, your weight's going to fluctuate, but that doesn't mean fat is fluctuating. It's going to come down to water weight and, and food volume. And that's, that's really the main thing there. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and this was like a thing that, you know, even like, I didn't always know this either was like, Hey, uh, just because it's your, like, we think of weight as like this, like, again, it's either it's body, like body fat, right? Like anytime you put on weight, that's body fat. Anytime you lose weight, it's body fat, but it's like, it's just, it doesn't work that way. It's a lot of other stuff. Like I had Dr. Melissa Davis on my podcast a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about, I mean, this is why you don't want to just focus on weight loss because shit, if you wanted to just cut off your arm and you'll lose, you know, you'll lose some weight right there. Right. But it's, you know, you're not just like, that's why we need to get away from this mindset of just focusing on losing weight. It needs to be, you know, we want to lose body fat and that takes time. And, and, you know, 
and stop stressing over the, the day-to-day fluctuations there with that. Cause again, it, it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't change that quickly, right? You don't build muscle in, in a week. And so you're not going to lose, you know, you're not going to, you don't, you can't build muscle in, in one day, right? You're not going to, if you gain five pounds, it's not going to be five pounds of muscle. And the same thing with body fat, you're not going to lose, or you're not going to gain five pounds of body fat one day. You know, yeah. So. That's why it's important to, like you said, not just focus on the scale, have other ways of tracking progress notice how your performance is in the gym, take photos, measurements, things like that. So you're not just relying on the scale. I see the scale as more of a way of tracking data so we can see where you're at as far as calories. If we need to increase your calorie intake or decrease it, any, any little adjustments like that, it's not to track progress in, in most cases. Yeah. But the scale is just, that's a, that's a, an interesting thing, man, for a lot of people, it's crazy how much Big stock they can put into that, to yeah. that thing. It's, it's crazy. It is. So, but should we wrap it up there, my man? Yeah, I think that was good. Good, good cool. hour. So 50 minutes, hour, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll record another one of these in the next, when was our last one? Three weeks ago. Probably about three, three, four weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think good three, four weeks from now, we'll probably record another one. So if you guys have questions, shoot them over on Instagram, anywhere like that. And we'll, we'll answer them. Yep. You get double, you get double the answer on these too. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. You get two viewpoints. That's for sure. <laughs> cool, man. Right. Yeah. Good, good, good conversation. Good, good chat yeah. with you today. We'll talk to you soon. Cool. See you, man. I just want to say thank you again for tuning into the podcast. I really appreciate you listening. And if you have any questions or need advice on anything, shoot me a message on Instagram at Howell underscore fit. I'm more than happy to help troubleshoot and offer any advice on your fitness journey. Also, if you wouldn't mind taking a screenshot and putting this on your Instagram story and tagging me, that would really help the podcast grow, reaching more individuals like yourself, and helping them improve themselves. Thank you again, and I will talk to you guys next time.